Well, good morning. Why do we read the Bible? Why do we emphasize that it's something that's important for us to do? Why do we point people to the Bible? We'll believe that the Bible is, is God's Word, that it's um, His revelation to us, that it's the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct, that as we read His Word, He reveals to us who He is. We grow in our understanding of who He is. We, we grow in our experience of Him and His love for us. We understand His, His grace and His mercy. We understand His truth, and, and we understand His plan. We grow in our understanding of His plan and purposes for us. You know, today what we're doing is we're kicking off a, a sermon series, Immersed Bible Reading. We've done this a couple times over the years where we work through different chunks of the Bible. Uh, and we're doing this for the next eight weeks. It'll lead us up to Easter. And we're working through the poets, as you can probably tell. We're, we're working our way through Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job, and Lamentations. And there's a, there's a reading plan to help you. It might seem a little bit overwhelming, but I, I encourage you, if you miss some days, don't worry about it. Just, just jump back in. And um, uh, whether you're a long-time believer or you've just read through the Bible and you've read through the Bible many times, maybe you're just checking things out, you're a little bit skeptical, or somewhere you know, in between, I encourage you to join us and see what God will do. Because we believe that this is God's Word, and He will work in it and through it to shape us, to mold us, to reveal Himself to us. In fact, Isaiah 55 promises this, that God will, His Word will not return to Him void, but will turn to Him accomplishing the purpose for which he sent it. Which I, I take as, as we read with a sincere and seeking and receptive heart, looking to apply and to understand his word, his truth, that he will then work in us to accomplish his purpose for us and for our lives. And so we begin with, with a psalm, Psalm 1, that emphasizes the importance of God's word in our lives, and which also highlights the, the consequences of how we respond to God's word, or we or not, to to God's word, because life it's it's it's, it's full of choices, isn't it? Do, do we respond to what we read? Do we apply to what we hear, or do we not? And so every aspect of life is about choices. You get up and you exercise, or you sleep in. You order pop with a meal, or you get some water. You choose this major when you go to college. You choose that. You date this person. You break it off. You let your anger get the best of you, or you, you hold your tongue. Every day we, you know, we face choices. And some of the choices we face are relatively insignificant. Some of them are pretty important, but some of them are, are life-altering. And the choices that we make, well, they make a difference. It's sort of like the idea of compound interest. I'm sure most of you are aware of how that works. The idea that you invest consistently. You begin early, you can invest consistently, that over time... Over, over time, that the interest begins to gain ground and accumulate to an amount that is much larger than the principal and that what we've invested. Well, our choices are kind of like that. The earlier in our lives and the more consistently we make God-honoring choices, the way that it works is that we receive the return of, a, of the fruit of a life that's well-lived and, and well-invested. A life much like the man described in Psalm 1. Now, Psalm 1 is a short psalm, six verses, but it's filled with a stark contrast. It tells the tale of, of two lives. One who lives a God-centered life. One who lives a self-centered life. Now, when I say self-centered, I don't mean somebody who necessarily is a very selfish person with no regard for others. 
What, what I mean to describe is a person who does not have God at the center of their life. They live their life as if God didn't exist. They do life without God's wisdom or, their, or his input or his direction. It's about choices. And throughout the Bible, there's this constant theme, this consistent theme that we're always standing at a fork in, in the road. And constantly before us is the choice of which direction we'll take. There's a path that leads to God. There's a path that leads away from God. There's a path that, that honors God. There's a path that does not. There's a path that acknowledges him as God and King and Lord. And there's a path that rejects that. And, and the path that we choose is ours and ours only to decide. King Solomon, who is often referred to as the wisest man who's ever lived, wrote this in Psalm 4, 25. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Jesus made the same kind of claim in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So we come to the end of Psalm 1. We see this contrast, and we're standing at a crossroad. And it's clear that one path goes the direction that we should want to go, and one goes in the direction that we should not want to go. We see this in verse 6, where the Lord washes over the way, of the righteous, who doesn't want that, but the way of the wicked will perish. So with every choice that we make, we are setting the course of our, of our lives. We become the choices that we make. And the point that Solomon and Jesus and the psalmist are all trying to get us to understand is that the choices we make will take us down one road that is, leads to a dead end or another road that will lead to the place where God will be at work in our lives and bless us. And so though, even though there are people in our lives that might try to influence us to take a right here or to veer left there, to buy into this worldview or, or this one, ultimately, we have a choice to make. And the decisions that we make and the pathway we choose to follow in our lives will determine our destiny. That's heavy. <laughs> heavy stuff. Isn't it? But, but God is good enough to give us some clarity and some direction in how to make the choices that will please him and lead to a life that is honored by him. So let's pick it up in, in Psalm 1, verses 1, in the first part of verse 2. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. We are to be selective about the influences in our life. That's the first thing we want to talk about. Now, now sometimes people will read a passage like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And, and they make the leap to, well, that means that I should uh, not have relationships with people who don't share my values and my point of view, and my, my lifestyle. And, and, and when we do that, we can get together and talk about how the world's going to you know, hell in a handbasket. And we shake our heads and scuff our beat and throw up our hands and, and get all worried about it. But, but Psalm 1 is not saying that's the, the course we should take. It's not saying we shouldn't have relationships with people who have different values than us. I mean, Jesus, look at Jesus. 
he surrounded himself with, with all kinds of people, so much so that the religious leaders criticized him because of it. Psalm 1 is not saying that we are not to have relationships with those who don't believe or who follow the ways of God. What it does say is that if you want God to bless you to live a fruitful life, you will not follow the counsel. You will not fall under the influence of, of, of those who live as if God doesn't exist. And you won't live like those who don't believe in Christ. We are to be intentional about what influences us. We should be influencers, salt and light, to discern and to guard our hearts. Because Solomon again said, Lebaba else guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. You know, you've ever had the experience, you go away on a spiritual retreat or maybe a camp and you get all pumped up and you, you feel close to God, you get excited about that and, and um, you, you come back and you just jump into life again. But what happens almost inevitably sometimes is you, you get back into the routine of life and you, you kind of let your, you know, your guard down a little bit. And, and, and pretty soon the, the, the passion and the spark of that spiritual high is gone. The psalmist says if you want to be blessed by God, if you want to live a fruitful life, be selective about the influences that you allow into your life. What influences you? Let's take a look now at verses the second part of verse 2 and in verse 3. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So the psalmist creates this picture of a, of a tree planted like in an oasis, and its roots run deep down to the water that provides life and fruit to itself and to the, to, to, to the world around. And the, Bible, the psalmist is saying that our lives are, need to be derived from and sustained by the word of God. The, the word of God, his communication to us, is our, is our source of life. And, and I, I love this idea of, of meditating. Meditating might sound kind of intimidating, uh, only for the spiritually mature or whatever. But, but, but what he's talking about here is, it's the same thing that a cow does when it chews its cud. You know, you've seen a cow chewing its cud. And the reason a, a, a cow chews its cud is because it doesn't have enough enzymes, you know, to digest its food properly. So it has to chew it, swallow it, burp it back up over and over and over again. And I read that some cows even chew their cuds 30,000 times a day. What would our spiritual life be like, our health be like, if we took a, a nugget of God's truth in the morning and we chewed on it over and over 30,000 times probably isn't possible. But what if we did that 20 times a day? What if we did that just for a minute or two every hour? What if we did that even three times a day? I mean, what would that look like? If, if a cow doesn't chew its cud, it becomes sick. It becomes withered and unhealthy. This is what the psalmist is telling us, that we are to start chewing on God's word, to take it in and digest it, to be connected to our source of life. Next, the psalmist gives us a warning about the results of a life that is lived disconnected from God and that is resistant to God, a life that goes its own way. Let's take a look at verse 4. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And we all know what chaff is. We're, we're Kansans, right? We've, we've seen wheat. We Maybe many of us grew up on a farm 
you've probably had an experience where you, you, know, you break off the head of the wheat and you rub it together, you pop the seeds in your mouth, just chew on them, and you just blow the chaff away. Because what? It has no, it's not nutritious. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's, it has no value. It's, it's, it's worthless. God's evaluation of a life that has no room for him is it's, it's chaff. It's chaff. A person can be impressive in the eyes of the world, have a beautiful home, nice car, a wonderful, successful business, a wonderful family. And yet, Psalm says, if there is no room for God, a life lived without God, it's, it's chaff. In the end, it's, it's simply wasted time because that person is not fulfilling the purpose for which God put him or her into this world. So according to Psalm 1, we are, we are to be selective about the influences we let into our lives. We are to be connected to the source of our lives, which is the Word of God. And we are to be intentional about our destiny in life. And the Bible teaches us that we are eternal beings, that we are created in the image of God. That after this life ends, our life will continue in the next. And the Bible is clear that there are two paths, two destinies, ultimately. And that at the moment of our death, our choices are ended at that point. That at that point, the choice is up to God. Now, the good news is that God is merciful enough to let us know what is at the end of the road that we choose right now. We don't have to wonder. One pathway leads to heaven. One path leads to hell. One path leads to eternity with him. One path leads to separation from him. And the only way to be sure of our destination, our destiny, is to follow Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So when you come to a fork in the road, and you know which way Jesus is leading you. But you just want to check out a little detour. Think about it. Which pathway will take you to where God wants you to go? And do you trust that God's path is good? Oswald Chambers once said, The beginning of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. If the road he's asking you to go is going to cheat you, out of this experience, or that experience, or that benefit. But the truth is, God is good. And he wants your life to be filled with his, his presence and his power and his, and his peace. But we have to follow where he is leading. The road won't always be easy, but in the end it will be worth it. And on the road to life, we come to, we come to crossroads every single day. Don't we? And we can turn and go our own way, or we can kneel to cross and go the way of Jesus. Which path will you choose? Robert Frost, the great American poet, wrote, Two roads diverge in the wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. The road you take does make a difference. Which one will you choose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you tell us the truth, that you do not deceive us, 
Lord, that we can trust you, that you are God of love and of mercy, a God who reaches out to us. Lord, we pray that we would be people who are intentional and are aware of the choices that we make each and every day. Lord, help us to to choose you, to choose the way of Jesus, so that we would become like trees planted by streams of water, rooted deeply in you, able to withstand the tests and troubles of life, bearing fruit for you, Lord, for your glory. We choose you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.